Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I'm Jeremy Scott. Welcome into the Paranormal. It's so good to have you with us on this Saturday night as we go somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. And a very fascinating subject in which we'll be discussing tonight. You know, uh, when nailed down, when pinned down and asked, you know, Jeremy, what is your favorite subject? And it's really, really hard. I would say anything UFO and alien related And this is right there, and consciousness is perhaps the link to it all. And it may even go beyond the UFO and the extraterrestrial phenomenon. I want to share this with you real quick, because this is new stuff that has just been identified. Scientists say that they have discovered, quote, the gate of consciousness, And through this new research, it identifies what part of the brain is responsible for a critical switch. From Inverse.com, it says the brain is constantly sorting through an endless barrage of sensory stimuli. And in the same five minutes, you could be navigating your way through a crush of pedestrians while calling the office, picking up your dog's doo-doo, as they say, and keeping an eye on that driver who's sure to blow through a stop sign again. Because we can't possibly absorb every single stimulus. Our brain lets some of these signals filter through to our consciousness while others don't. But where specifically in the brain does that filtering take place? If somewhere in the brain exists the gateway to consciousness, which part of the brain functions, which part of the brain functions as the gatekeeper? Researchers at the University of Michigan Medical School set out to answer this question. They've published the information this past week, suggesting that they have found the answer. One man who has been doing a lot in consciousness research is Ray Hernandez, director of of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, CCRI. The organization is an academic research institute whose mission is to explore the relationship between consciousness and contact with non-human intelligence 
via the contact modalities. Ray was previously one of the co-founders of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation, a 501c3 academic research institute that completed a five-year comprehensive academic research study on UFO-related contact experiencers. Of course, we've been a, a vast supporter of uh, you know the free organization over the years and now with uh, the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. Ray is one of three co-editors of the book Beyond UFOs, The Science of Consciousness and Contact with Non-Human Intelligence. He's also published in several peer-reviewed academic journals, including the Journal of Consciousness Studies and the Journal of Scientific Exploration. Ray now is the co-editor of a four-volume book titled A Greater Reality, The New Paradigm of Consciousness, the Paranormal, and the Contact Modalities, which is scheduled to be published this September. Ray Hernandez, welcome back into the Paranormal. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for that wonderful introduction. It's a wonderful introduction for a wonderful topic, and so I would like you to outline your hypothesis, uh, because the consciousness, as we've discussed on this program many episodes throughout the years, really is the missing link to this all. Yes. Um, First of all, let me just... um start by saying that this is not my hypothesis, but this is a hypothesis of uh, over 20 PhDs, um, mostly retired academic professors, and five medical doctors that are part of this uh, new organization, Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. So um, all of these people have the same thoughts the same hypothesis, same approach, um, and, and let me just put it succinctly to the audience members. Um, to the audience members, um, all of these individuals hypothesize that we're living in a multi-dimensional reality, and that is because through, we have three PhD physicists in our organization. All of them have told me that if you graduate today with a PhD in theoretical physics, you will graduate with a PhD and a full understanding that we don't live in one reality, that we live in a multidimensional reality. The most common hypothesis that's now gaining ground and circulating, not only in physics, but also in psychology and philosophy, is this concept that we are living in a virtual reality. Okay? Um, uh, uh, for example, the movie The Matrix would, uh, would be a good example of people begin to visualize that. For the computer science folks, they see it as that we're living inside a computer-generated simulation. Okay, For the folks in philosophy, um, uh, that we're living in, in something that's more um, uh, associated with, um, with a universal mind instead of living within a computer simulation. Uh, the physicists, they just know that uh, everything is all interrelated, that we're living in a multidimensional reality, and that um, uh, 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 people are still trying to work out the specifics of what's going on. Okay, So that's the, the first primary uh, hypothesis is that uh, we're living in a multidimensional reality. Half of the people in our organization subscribe to the virtual reality hypothesis, and also everyone in our group subscribes to the hypothesis that consciousness is primary. And that's a little bit difficult concept to explain, but basically is that um, the reality that you currently are living in, uh, via your, um, your, uh, your senses, your five senses, 
okay? What cognitive neuroscience uh, explores. Uh, how do we know that we exist? You know, uh, um, that all of this is a fantasy. <laughs> it's an illusion. It's not real. What, what, is, uh, what is more real is what is behind that. And that's our multidimensional reality based upon consciousness. Okay. Now, now that I laid that theoretical aspect, that foundation on the table, okay, uh, what our organization also hypothesizes is that humans are having contact with perceived non-human intelligence um, uh, via, via numerous ways. For example, um, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, via UFOs via ghosts and spirits, via remote viewing, via uh, hallucinogenic journeys, uh, when you take DMT or psilocybin, that sort of thing, okay? Um, in many, many other ways, mystical meditation, uh, astral traveling. And our hypothesis of every single member in our organization is that all of these uh, uh, diverse seemingly diverse experiences are being researched as separate and distinct entities as as phenomena but instead we hypothesize that it's all one phenomena and that it needs to be studied as one so therefore all the folks that you go to a ufo conference and all these so-called um you know uh, lecturers who are experts on the topic they'll say what the hell does UFOs have to do with out-of-body experiences. What do they have to do with near-death experiences? What do they have to do with the paranormal? Okay? Uh, their focus is strictly on nuts and bolts ufology. Okay? Well, the research study that we did with the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation, we were able to demonstrate that the overwhelming majority of these, these experiences that people are having, these UFO-related contact experiences, were not necessarily physicalist experiences. They were primarily paranormal type of experiences. You might have seen UFOs. You might have seen a perceived physical being whether it be a, a human-looking being or a short gray or a tall gray or um, uh, a mantid being or reptilian being, whatever, you know, the vast majority of these ex the experiences that these people are having were paranormal experiences. And I could go into detail, you know, later on if, if you want. Um, so, so that's sort of the, 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 the foundation uh, for what we're doing. What we're trying to do is to match up what what the theoreticians view as consciousness being fundamental with a unified uh, paranormal phenomena, which we're calling the contact modalities. We're matching them both together. And what we want to be able to do is to undertake a, a similar study that we did with the UFO contact experiencers, but to do it for all of the paranormal experiencers a much, much more bigger, larger study uh, um, via surveys and uh, quantitative and qualitative and structured interviews of the experiencers of the diverse paranormal phenomenon. Um, so it's a very lengthy introduction, but I think it's important to lay the foundation so people know exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah, and so people would say, well, what do you mean by non-human? Because not everything's alien. By saying non-human, that opens it up a little wider, Ray. Uh, yes, we're, we're, I mean, um, uh, you know a live human being when you see one. You know, it's up to you, talks to you. Uh, 
has a cultural background, different languages, whatever. Um, uh, Dr. Gary Schwartz, uh, who was a, a attorney professor at Harvard as a member of organization, he doesn't like that term non-human intelligence. He prefers conscious intelligence because he perceives um, deceased um, human beings as, as still continuing being human beings, but at a different consciousness plane. So his preferred term is consciousness intelligence. So uh, our definition of non-human intelligence is all types of, of um, higher level conscious intelligence um, in our multiverse that's not a physical 3D human being, for lack of a better short-term explanation of it. Okay, so Ray, I think you're the one who really came up with the term contact modalities, or at least the free organization did. So there may be well, others. I, I, I came up with that term in 2013. I, I wrote a paper. I published a paper that was published in Free's website um, that we had at, uh, for, for about five years. Uh, and it dealt with consciousness, the contact modalities, and contact with non-human intelligence. And it was this hypothesis that I just threw out to everyone. And then what happened was that once I started talking to these major players in the field, uh, you probably have heard some of these people, uh, Dean Radin, uh, Jeffrey Mishloff, uh, yes. Gary Schwartz, Edgar Mitchell, Dr. Rudy Shields, Dr. John Klimo, Dr. Michael Grosso, Dr. Bob Davis, I could go on and on and on. These are all individuals that have published uh, many, many articles on consciousness and the paranormal. Mm -hmm. And so when I started talking to all these people, they all thought exactly the same way, except they didn't work together. They worked as separate uh, individuals. They published their own separate papers. And so all I'm doing is I'm putting them all together. I'm sort of the orchestra leader. And um, and let's say, look, you know, we all share the same visions, the same hypothesis. Let's work together as a joint team to tank to tackle this big, gigantic, fundamental question as to what the hell is going on, you know, with UFOs, with near-death experiences, with out-of-body experiences, with ghosts and spirits. Okay, all of us believe it's it's all one phenomenon. Let's put our heads together to be able to address this concept because. Uh, certainly the separate and distinct uh, organizations are totally clueless. You know, you go to a UFO conference, the experiencers share the same hypothesis as we have, the major experiencers. But you, t you speak to these nuts and bolts ufologists that speak at these conferences, they're totally clueless. Well, Ray, it's important to point out that you're an experience that you're, you're yourself, so you do have that added perspective. Correct, correct. And actually, um, like for like many astral travelers, I'm not one of those, okay? Um, um, like many astral travelers, these individuals uh, are given this information because they're having contact with some type of, of, of a conscious intelligence when they're doing these astral traveling, and they're getting, you know, similar information. Um, in our free survey, I, I think you might remember this, but... Mm -hmm. um, it was 4,200 individuals that responded to our surveys over a five-year period from over 100 countries. In now, many languages and from a vast variety of backgrounds. Co correct. But what I'm quoting now, the 4,200, was just in the English language survey. We administered the survey in four different languages. In Spanish, the Spanish survey, we had over 1,000 people. So right there is is, is 5,200 people, um, just in those two languages. We also did it in German. We did it in Slovak, and very soon in, in Chinese. 
And so what we discovered in the English language survey, and I'm just using this as just one small illustration, 80% of these individuals had out-of-body experiences. 50% of these people had a miraculous medical healing, okay? 50% um, of these people were brought to a matrix reality, were brought to another universe, another dimension. 50%, half of the people, um, people that have seen ghosts and spirits was 67%, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is just an illustration that all these experiences, they're all interrelated because if you talk to major experiencers, not someone that does CE5 on the weekends and might have seen a, uh, you know, a couple of UFOs in the sky and that's it, you know, but, you know, major contact experiencers, these people are having everything in the kitchen sink. You know, they're having out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences. They're seeing ghosts and spirits, et cetera, et cetera. These are the folks that we're having in Volume 3 and 4 in our book, which I'm going to talk about it later on, okay? So um, uh, in terms of the, the, the contact modalities, we know very little about how it's all interrelated, okay? So that's what we're trying to do with this research study and all these academics, is we're trying to do basic survey uh, questions of these experiencers to ask very similar questions to thousands of uh, thousands of people all over the world, and then be able to see the patterns, just like we saw with the UFO study. And over the years, there's been hypotheses after hypotheses on how you define consciousness, and so I'm just interested in how you define it. Okay. First of all, anyone that tells you that they've got the definition of consciousness, run away from them. They're totally clueless, okay? <laughs> Dean Radin, who's been studying consciousness, yes, he has three major books out there with the title of consciousness in there, okay? Uh, he is totally clueless. Edgar Mitchell, who founded the Institute for Noetic Sciences, studying what? You know, what is the nature of reality? What is consciousness? What is the psi phenomenon? He was totally clueless. Rudy Shields, okay, 80-year-old professor of astrophysics uh, of, at Harvard University who told Stephen Hawking he was completely wrong on black holes, okay, uh, before Hawking publicly admitted it, okay, he will say the same thing, right? We're totally clueless as to what is consciousness. The, the, the quote that you started off with that book from a cognitive neuroscientist at the, at the medical school at the University of Michigan, okay, consciousness is totally outside of the brain. Okay, for those folks in the materialist, uh, materialistic approach to to uh, cognitive neuroscience and consciousness. Okay, for example, you are clinically dead. Your heart is not pumping. Okay, All right. Your blood is not circulating. Your brain is dead. Right. So how could consciousness be associated with your brain if all of a sudden you're out of your body? You're seeing your dead body underneath you. And you're going into another reality via a near-death experience, okay? Or if you're having an out-of-body experience, all of a sudden you float out of your body, you see your body underneath you, your brain is down there somewhere. Then what the hell is on top of, of top of near the ceiling of the of the of, of of your bedroom? Okay, looking down. What the hell is that? That's certainly not your brain, okay? And all of a sudden you get taken into another reality, and you're doing astral traveling, okay? So this is the $5,000 question here, or the $1,000 question, whatever you want to coin it, you know, what the hell is going on? We still don't understand. I can give you very good hypotheses for the listeners to, to be able to research. My own personal interpretation of, of what I think is the best hypothesis that's circulating around is uh, all, all people need to do is to Google Tom Campbell. 
Tom Campbell, for people who don't know who he is, um, he is a PhD physicist. He also was the major guinea pig that Robert Monroe uh, used when he was learning how to develop techniques for out-of-body travel. Okay, uh, Robert Monroe was the one that made popular out-of-body travel uh, through his um, um, two well-known books in the early 1970s. So he always referred to in his books to TC, Dr. TC. Well, that's Dr. Tom Campbell. Uh, Dr. Tom Campbell, besides being a brilliant physicist, uh, also uh, is a major astral traveler. Okay, so uh, he has hundreds of lectures circulating in YouTube, all about consciousness and the nature of reality. And uh, the importance of his work was that he's gotten information from his out-of-body travel from conscious intelligence that has taught him about the nature of our reality. And he's mixed that with his uh, knowledge of PhD physics to be able to put diverse theories together. Um, people can Google on Amazon, uh, my big toe. Toe stands for theory of everything, okay? It's a huge 820-page book that he published, I think, over 15 years ago. But YouTube is littered with hundreds of his lectures. So I would encourage people to, to listen to some of his lectures. Um, I think he's the closest to what I've been told via my out-of-body um, astral travel experiences, but they weren't technically astral travel. These were um, the intelligence that were working with me. They took me out of my body while I was driving my car. Uh, and there they gave me information of what I'm talking about right now. It wasn't like Ray Hernandez came up with this stuff. It was stuff that was given to me. And so, um, uh, uh, and it's very close. Is that what, uh, to what, what you, what is typically then described as like a download experience? No, it's very different. The download is, um, uh, for example, you could be right now in your living room. You could be watching TV. All of a sudden, information is coming into your mind. Okay? doesn't necessarily have to be a voice. can be, but many times it's not. Okay? It's a straight information. Um, um, like, like if you have some earbuds or something like that, and someone's telling you instructions and information, except you don't hear it as a voice. It's just straight information. That is you know, different um, definitions of how people can get downloads, okay? These downloads occur via out-of-body experiences, via near-death experiences, via UFO contact, okay? Via, um, you take DMT or psilocybin, you know, magic mushrooms, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you're getting all this download of information. You're conversing with uh, a non-human uh, intelligence, you know, Hold that thought, Ray Hernandez, uh, with me. Uh, and, of course, Ray is the director of Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. It's a fascinating, mind-blowing discussion that has seemingly endless possibilities tonight. Glad to have you along for the ride. I'm Jeremy Scott on this episode of Into the Parabnormal. Don't venture too far. You might not make it back into the Parabnormal. Abnormal News, I'm Brad Bernards. Four astronauts splashed down in the Gulf of Mexico after a five and a half month journey in space. 
It's another one for the record books as SpaceX Crew-1 returned to Earth early last Sunday morning. We have visual confirmation of the Crew-1 resilience capsule. From resilience. Uh, this excellent news. We are splashed down. It is the first time since Apollo 8, 53 years ago, a nighttime splashdown was achieved. The crew left the ISS last Saturday night after being delayed due to inclement weather. During the crew's mission, they studied several technological demonstrations and scientific investigations, which included research on protein crystal development and a robotic assistant technology demonstration. SpaceX Crew 2 will remain at the ISS for six months, and Crew 3 will launch this coming fall. This is Daniel Brewer for Paranormal News. Senator Bill Nelson took office as the 14th administrator of NASA Monday. NASA.gov reports he was given the oath of office by Vice President Kamala Harris during a ceremony at the Eisenhower Executive Office Building in Washington. I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office. The duties of the office. Upon which I am about to enter. Upon which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Administrator. Congratulations. Nelson has an extensive history of working with NASA and has been integral to the agency's current successes. NASA has limited possibilities as we venture out to explore the cosmos. Uh, Not only are we going back to the moon and then on to Mars, but look at the scientific achievement that we're going to do. Read the news at paraabnormalradio.com. This is Brad Bernards with Paraabnormal News. reality, other worldly dimensions, contact modalities, seemingly piercing this veil of our 3D reality into this, this multi-dimensional reality. You're really from another world. Look, I can see that you think you know me, but I don't know who you are. You can't freaking me The idea of multiple dimensions has been around for ages. Don't you get it? If the terrorists blow that barrier, all the most evil things ever imagined are going to pour out and take over imagination land. Is your stream of consciousness, subjective experience of the mind and the world. Pushing the envelope and never looking back. <laughs> You're traveling into the paranormal. Yeah, have you ever thought, you know, you look around and it just doesn't seem right? You may be living. We may be living in a multi-dimensional reality. My guest is Ray Hernandez tonight. The name of this episode of Into the Parabnormal, A Conscious Reality. And Ray was talking before the break about the difference between what is, you know, a typical download experience in a UFO and an abduction case versus uh, what happened uh, with him. So, uh, Ray, please continue. Yes, um, other... um uh, our, our UFO survey, our uh, free experiencer research study, uh, revealed that 50% of these individuals were brought to uh, what we call the matrix reality, which is um, uh, another dimensional reality, which is outside of space time. And uh, that happened to me while I was driving my car. Um, uh, a similar concept is what people refer to as missing time, that all of a sudden, they're, um, um, they're driving their car, and they're, uh, all of a sudden, it's six hours later or four hours later, and they're halfway 
um, uh, 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 toward their destination, but they have no recollection of how they got there. Okay, um, so that's what happened to me. And during during this experience, I was given um, very similar information that Tom Campbell was given, which is what I'm articulating tonight. Um, and again, I am not a physicist, but our organization has various PhD physicists. We also have two of the pioneers of remote viewing um, involved with our work. Uh, for example, uh, Stephen A. Schwartz was doing remote viewing before the Stanford Research Institute began to undertake their study of remote viewing. Um, um, and, and so uh, he, he's been uh, past president of the International Association of Remote Viewers for many years. So as Dr. John Alexander, for uh, several times, he's been the president of the International Association of Remote uh, Viewing. Uh, Dr. Um, Jeffrey Long, who is a medical oncologist, uh, now he's probably the world's leading active researcher on near-death experiences. He's published two books on NDEs. Also, Kenneth Ring was uh, our advisor. Uh, Raymond Moody was our, our advisor uh, as well. And, um, and, um, and these are just some of the names in the NDE field. Um, and um, in terms of the, the UFO field, um, um, we, we've had uh, all of the members that previously worked with the Edgar Mitchell Free Foundation involved with our organization as well. And we have um, other well-known names that you, you might know of. Uh, as I mentioned before, Gary Schwartz um, is, uh, was a, a tenured professor at Harvard University. And for the last 20 years, he's been at the, he's a director of Consciousness uh, Research Institute, uh, the Laboratory for Advances in Consciousness and Health at the University of, um, of Arizona. Uh, Dr. John Klimo who had been working with us uh, with the free organization. He's a retired professor of psychology for over 45 years. Dr. Michael Grosso um, uh, has joined the organization. He's the co one of the co four co-editors of our new book. Uh, Dr. Grosso was a professor of philosophy for over 40, 45 years. And he was also affiliated for the last 10 years with the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia. I previously mentioned Stephen A. Schwartz, one of the pioneers of uh, a remote viewing. Dr. John Alexander, again, um, he was the second president of the International Association of Near-Death Studies, and he's been the president of the International Remote Viewers Association numerous times. Um, Dr. Raul Valverde is professor of information sciences. He's our statistician. Um, another statistician in our group is Russell Scalpone, another PhD in psychology. Um, you might know Paul Eno. Have you ever heard of Paul Eno? Uh, I Before? believe, yeah, yes. I mean, the okay. list of people that are involved in your organization is, uh, you know, top-notch. These are some of the, you know, brightest minds uh, in, in the field. Correct, correct. And now Paul is one of the few individuals that's not a Ph.D., but I consider him one of the world's leading authorities on what is commonly called ghosts, spirits, uh, poltergeist phenomenon, and, um, um, and also a phenomenon called parasites. Um, which um, I'm sure you've heard about before. And so, um, and we have many, many other people. Uh, like I mentioned before, Dean Radin, Jeffrey Mishloff, um, Dr. Larry Dossey, Dr. Joseph Burks, uh, Paul Smith. Um, I could go on and on and on. So these are, you know, some of the world's leading 
uh, researchers on not only what is commonly called uh, um, consciousness, trying to understand what that is, but also the psi phenomenon and different aspects of the contact modalities. But all of these people all understand, you know, uh, that we need to study them as one phenomenon because it's one. It's not separate and distinct. But yet you go to a UFO conference, okay? You go to a near-death experience conference. You go to an out-of-body organization conference. And they all, you know, will, will look bewildered once you start saying that it's, you know, uh, 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 intertwined with these other contact modalities. Uh, so we're still at a pioneering stage for people to be able to understand this concept. And that's why the title of our book is A Greater Reality, The New Paradigm. And that's what it is. It's a new paradigm that we're trying to establish, the new paradigm of non-local consciousness. And that's a term that Edgar Mitchell used very, very frequently. And I could discuss what that means later on. The, the new paradigm of non-local consciousness, the paranormal, and the contact modalities. Why is that a, a hard thought to consider, you think, for many of these, not necessarily experiencers, but researchers who have not experienced uh, themselves? Well, what it is, is these are complex topics, as you, you well understand now. Okay, not anyone can comprehend uh, what, what I've just said. Because, first of all, you're dealing with something that's multidimensional, okay? Uh, but yet, most of the PhD theoretical physicists now have that, that, that hypothesis that we're living in a multiverse. For example, string theory holds that there are like 12 different dimensions. And um, the, the transition is moving away from string theory to virtual reality, okay? So here you are, all of the PhD physicists around the world understanding these concepts based upon, you know, uh, physics, advanced physics, okay? But yet, the other areas of academia are just starting to move away from it. What it is is that um, we're talking with concepts that are post-materialist science, okay? All of these individuals that I've just mentioned and many more part of the part of our organization, these are all individuals that view our reality in a radical different way, okay, from a multidimensional way. In, in other words, we're embracing the concepts of modern physics and we're bringing that to the other subfields of academia and science, okay? Um, so, and that's why it's so difficult uh, uh, because, for example, that, that statement that you read about the medical school at the University of Michigan, okay? They, it was talking about, you know, beginning to solve the riddle of what is consciousness through materialist cognitive neuroscience, okay? Now, <laughs> we have several... PhD psychiatrists in our group and several PhD uh, psychologists in our group. Okay, um, um, uh, I'll give you the names, but they're not necessary at this point. But all of these people will tell you that the field of psychology and psychiatry is totally clueless to be able to define what is consciousness. Uh, Bob Davis, who was a member of our Free Foundation and also a member of the CCRI uh, uh, organization, uh, he's a retired professor of, of neuroscience at the State University of New York. He, he, he taught neuroscience for almost 40 years, 
Okay. Um, and, and all the time he tells me, Ray, the field of neuroscience is totally clueless to be able to explain that consciousness begins and ends with the brain. No, they can't. And anyone that tells you so um, is misleading you. And that article that you that you just quoted or, or that research that you just quoted for the University of Michigan is saying that we're finally getting close to be able to solve the riddle of consciousness. OK, so they are admitting it, you know, that, look, we're not there yet. We're totally clueless, but at least we're getting closer. OK, but again, that is a materialist perspective of trying to understand the nature of consciousness and the nature of our reality, just like nuts and bolts uh, ufologists. Those people that just focus on, on lights in the sky and UFO crafts, those people are totally clueless as to, as to the complexities of the UFO phenomenon that our research data revealed. Our data revealed that it's extremely complex um, to the point where, you know, we're totally clueless as to what is the UFO, UFO phenomenon. It's so complex because it's multidimensional in nature. When you say conscious intelligence, which is uh, one of those uh, definitions, uh, kind of like non-human intelligence, uh, we have conscious intelligence, what kinds of forms uh, are we talking about? I mean, aliens, uh, hybrids, uh, what? Well, um, it all depends on the different contact modalities, okay? Um my own personal hypotheses and also the one shared by Joseph Burks and several of the other individuals in our organization that have focused on the UFO aspects of it um, is that um, much of what we're seeing are holographic projections. Okay. For example, in our research study, we were able to determine that there are literally hundreds of different types of quote unquote beings, uh, physical beings that people have seen. Even the short grays, they come in all shapes and sizes and colors, and um, their behavior is totally different and diverse, okay? Um, now, you could say the hypothesis, and also, you know, um, the common ones are the number one type of being that people are seeing are the energy being, okay? And these are non-humanoid type of energy um, uh, uh, physical appearances which, which are conscious and interact with humans. And that's what happened in my living room, okay? That totally healed, healed our dog. It was a pure energy being. Um, and uh, uh, that's number one. That was 55% of the people that took our survey, the UFO survey. Number two was the human-looking being. And again, the human-looking being comes in all shapes and colors and sizes, okay? From little human beings to, you know, 15-foot-tall human-looking beings to, um, uh, to the Palladian types, uh, to, to people that look like African-American, Asian-American, you know, all types of people are interacting with. Number um, three was the short grays, okay? And again, they come in all shapes and colors and sizes, and, and people describe them very, very differently. Uh, number four was ghosts and spirits, okay? Uh, and again, appears in different types of uh, of, of ways. Um, number five was the, uh, the, um, the 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 tall grays, and that was closely matched by the um, the um, the mantid being, and then the reptilian beings. Okay, but 
When you have an out-of-body experience, most of the intelligence that people are associating with and astral traveling are not physical beings. These are just straight downloads and communications that are taking place telepathically. Okay, so you're dealing with some type of conscious intelligence that physically doesn't materialize in front of you. Okay, with a near death experience where people are experiencing our um, deceased family relatives, usually most of the time a young, younger looking when they were young. Um, and then um, uh, other types of, of human looking beings that people associate as a- angels or other deceased individuals. Um, and then there is. Uh, the entity that people described as uh, as God, as uh, the universal mind, and that's commonly described as an energy being, uh, this huge energy that uh, with very, very bright uh, light um, that is interacting telepathically. So the common tendency of all of them is to have telepathic interactions, okay? Um, even with the UFO study, you, you never see anyone uh, uh, being flapping their gums, their lips, you know, communicating with it. It's all um, um, telepathic communication. So to address your question, um, for example, uh, also with, with psilocybin and DMT, um, you're interacting with different types of beings that you see in this 3D reality. Okay, Um, like, for example, um, uh, I know a good friend of mine who's a Ph.D. chemist. Okay, he's managed to synthesize DMT and he's tried it experimentally with another group of scientists. And he was interacting with a mantid being uh, eight to nine feet tall uh, praying mantis types that people see with UFO contact. Okay, Um, communication was telepathic. So. Uh, that's just an, an example of the, um, the DMT experience that people have uh, hundreds of diverse types of experiences via uh, different types of, of creatures, of entities, um, uh, but it's all conscious, consciousness-based. So I guess to address your question, it depends on what type of modality people are interacting with, of, of what they're seeing and interacting with. But I would say the vast majority are non-physical type of beings, and they're interacting with it um, um, telepathically. Telepathically. That was the other question I had, is is the communication. And telepathic is obviously the most common way that we hear about in alien abductions. But uh, I guess in some of these other experiences... The communication is also telepathic. Uh, correct. It's it's. Uh, I didn't find one case in our UFO research study where there was communication via lip to lip, you know, mouth to mouth. <laughs> it was all telepathic, and that's one of the commonalities. Um, um, one of the shared commonalities of of the contact modalities is not only telepathic communication is that all of these experiences involve a manipulation of space-time, okay? If you're having an out-of-body experience or astral travel, by definition, it's a manipulation of space and time because people that have astral traveling, some of these people might be gone, you know, for for two or three hours, but yet it might only be a few minutes, okay? Uh, With a near-death experience, I mean, there are literally hundreds of cases that, like, for example, my own father, he told me of his near-death experience. He had um, uh, uh, quadruple bypass surgery, okay? But yet, he told me when he came back from his NDE, he was gone for 20 or 30 years. 
And so I asked him, what? What are you talking about 20, 30 years? He says, that's how long it took God to show him all the good things he had done in his life and all the bad things he had done in his life. He actually had what is commonly called a life review. And the statistics that Dr. Bruce Grayson, uh, who's a psychiatrist, a member of our organization, um, uh, and is publishing an article in our new book, um, uh, he, uh, his studies revealed that one out of every four people that has a near-death experience has what is commonly called a life review. Okay, now that can be quite diverse in terms of uh, uh, what that life review entails. But what is commonly described is that people are shown uh, visions of their past um, in 3D, uh, excuse me, in, in um, they're, they're seeing their, their experience in 360 degrees. Okay, they're experiencing it in not only in their body, but in the body of the other person that they had affected. So, for example, if you have a fight with a 13-year-old kid and you're on the floor tumbling and you're punching each other out, you're reliving that experience in your own body with your own mind doing that, you know, fighting this kid, and also at the same time in the body of the other kid, okay, getting punched out to see how it feels, what his thoughts, okay? Or if you're, you're cussing with your wife, you're yelling and screaming at her, you know, you're reliving that experience in both her body and her mind and your body and your mind. And then this being that people, you know, associate with as God then would ask them basically, um, you know, what did you think of that? <laughs> you know, what is your reflection of that? And then, you know, usually the, the common response is very embarrassed of what I did. So, um, so in terms of uh, a manipulation of space-time with the near-death experiences. Now, with the UFO study, we discovered that 50% of these individuals were brought to a matrix reality. Like in Jodie Foster's um, movie, Contact, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, of course, um, yeah. you, Okay, fantastic, okay? You know how she was brought to that other reality? You know, can be described, for example, as a matrix reality. And she began interacting with her deceased father um, in a humanoid uh, form. Okay. So we had 50% of the people that had very similar types of experiences uh, in our UFO research study. Okay. So that can be commonly described as a manipulation of space and time. Okay. When she returned back to her body, they said she was only gone. She was, um, 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 uh, it was only like a, a couple of seconds. Okay. But to her, it lasted for quite a while, that experience with her father. Okay. So that is very common for these people that are brought to this matrix reality with the UFO study for astral traveling, for out of body experiences. Um, so, no, uh, if you see a ghost or a spirit, okay, that can also be described as a manipulation of space-time. Why? Because um, you're seeing a, a, a so-called, you know, deceased uh, consciousness of a dead person. Ray Hernandez, my guest, director of Consciousness and Contact Research Institute, co-author of A Greater Reality, The New Paradigm of Non-Local Consciousness, The Paranormal and Contact Modalities. We'll be back right after this. Into the Paranormal is heard 24-7 on the Paranormal Radio app with TalkStream Live and streaming worldwide at ParanormalRadio.com. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. You will both 
can call Into the Paranormal toll-free in North America at 855-790-8255. That's 855-790-TALK. I'm Jeremy Scott. He's Ray Hernandez, the program Into the Paranormal, and it's so good to have you with us. Ray's going to be at Contact in the Desert virtually. We'll be talking about uh, this subject uh, in a wider capacity, and so go to contactinthedesert.com and get your tickets for the virtual celebration. It's going to be a big UFO extravaganza, and we'll have uh, uh, information about that on our website as well. Uh, in the coming weeks as we will be uh, doing Contact in the Desert Month coming in June. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Ray, you were saying before the break uh, about the manipulation of space-time and about the similarities that many of these experiencers have. And I believe you were quoting from the free study uh, that 50% of experiencers do report some similarities of of some kind amongst their uh, encounters. Yes. Um, l- let me just um, take a break here to tell the audience members that I can send them for free uh, Chapter 1, which is our 120-page analysis of our quantitative data, and Chapter 2, which is our 100-page analysis by Dr. John Klimo of our qualitative data uh, from our first book, uh, Beyond UFOs. I will also send you uh, our peer-reviewed uh, publication uh, uh, authored by four retired academic professors, including myself, which was published in the Journal of Scientific uh, Exploration, and also uh, various documents regarding our current research study and our new book titled uh, A Greater Reality. Please send the request to my email, which is info, I-N-F-O, at experiencer.org. I-N-F-O at E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E-R dot O-R-G. Now, in Chapter 1, which I will be sending to everyone that sends me an email, uh, we discussed uh, in an entire section um close to t- uh, uh, 10 pages, if I believe, all on different uh, statistical data of the various paranormal experiences that UFO contact experiencers had. Uh, as I said earlier, one of them dealt with 50% of these people had a medical healing. Another 50% have, uh, are people that were brought to a matrix reality, uh, similar to what happened to Jody Foster. So, um um, 66% had seen orbs, a uh, similar number percent had seen uh, what are commonly called uh, ghosts or spirits. And in our um, uh, volume three and volume four of our new book, which are the chapters written by experiencers, we literally have over 50 people. Um, one of them is you probably know very well, which is Preston Dennett. I'm sure you've had him on your show uh, in the past. Preston Dennett is an individual that started his uh, paranormal contact experiences by seeing his deceased mother. This is uh, 
uh, several weeks after she had passed away. He then began to uh, see UFOs. He joined the MUFON. He's seen tons of UFOs. Um, he's also has seen different types of physical uh, beings, um, uh, human-looking beings. He's also um, um, has had out-of-body experiences, but his number one type of contact experiences is astral traveling, where he gets all this download uh, via communications with a conscious intelligence. Now, Preston only recently began to talk about these things, and I convinced uh, the organizer at Contact in the Desert, um, um, uh, Victoria, uh, uh, to have Preston talk about, not about his books, but about, about his personal experiences, which are just absolutely fascinating. He's literally seen you know, a boatload of dead people. Uh, on top of his astral traveling, on top of his UFOs. Um, we literally have over 50 people that are just like Preston Dennett that are writing their experiences. So that's volumes three and four. So if you want to be able to get um, a draft outline of our, um, our, our four-volume uh, book, um, we, uh, volumes one and two are our theoretical chapters. We have articles by more than 25 PhD academics and medical doctors um, discussing various aspects of the theory of the contact modalities associated with the different contact modalities. For example, we'll have a whole section of what is consciousness. We'll have a whole section on Edgar Mitchell's quantum hologram theory of consciousness. We'll have a whole, uh, we have actually six or seven articles that describe the consciousness aspects of ufology. We have uh, the same interpretation, the consciousness aspects of near-death experiences, the consciousness aspects of -of out-of-body experiences, um, including astral traveling, um, hallucinogenic journeys. We have two academic articles by professors at the John Hopkins School of Medicine, Dr. Roland Griffith. Now, this man is a medical doctor, uh, um, a psychiatrist that's been studying DMT and psilocybin for over 10 years. Um, so if you want to find out what are the articles that we're going to have, what are the chapters, I will send you the chapter outline for free at info at experiencer.org. Awesome. Because uh, it's all about getting the information out there. All too often we see, as you were saying, researchers, they, they don't see the bigger picture, which is that there is this connection and that there is these similarities. And perhaps if we put all of our time and effort into investigating that instead of individually trying to go hunt down our own theories, perhaps we would be further along uh, in investigating this phenomenon. Well, that's actually what our organization is doing. These first four books is basically to introduce the concepts, to educate people in terms of terminology and the hypotheses that all of these geniuses in our organization uh, share, okay? Um, You know, Dean Radin, Jeffrey Mishloff, all these professors that I mentioned before, um, the, uh, Edgar Mitchell, Rudy Shields, Bob Davis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? We want to be able to present the hypotheses of why it's all interrelated, all the contact modalities, and its connection with consciousness, the multidimensional nature of our reality. What we want to do in terms of the long-term research study, as I said earlier, is to do a five-year academic research study, very similar to what we did to the UFO contactees, contact experiencers, except we're doing it for people that have had 
out-of-body experiences, UFO experiences, uh, people that have had encounters with all types of beings, um, UFO type of contact experiences, uh, hallucinogenic journeys, uh, people that have seen ghosts and spirits. What are their commonalities? For example, when did these experiences start for all of these people? Did it mainly start when they were young? Okay, was it only maybe three out of the four major contact modalities that these experiences primarily started when they were young? Um, or, um, or uh, as I said earlier, telepathic communication. We want to be able to confirm that all types of communication be um, between all of these different contact modalities, um, uh, the, uh, it's all telepathic. We want to be able to get the details of their um, um, um uh, of their uh, out-of-body experiences, when people brought to matrix realities, their NDEs, what was said, you know, um, for example, a common thread among all of them is the spiritual aspects of this phenomenon, okay? Um, by definition, the near-death experience is, is, is spiritual-related, <laughs> spiritually-related. People are being brought to the afterlife, and a good many of them are being taught about the nature of the afterlife. When you have these astral travels, you can ask Preston Dennett next time he's on his show. Look, Preston, that any of these um, uh, conscious intelligence give you any information about spirituality? And he will tell you, yes. You ask Tom Campbell, um, the PhD physicist, okay? He'll tell you, yes, okay? Um, uh, people have had out-of-body experiences. Again, synonymous with astral traveling, okay? Um, UFO contact experience. We had a whole chapter. Uh, that dealt with spiritual messages that people have received. And we went into detail the, the, the spiritual messages, the nature of the uh, spiritual messages that were relayed, uh, what these people believe, what were they told, okay? So um, uh, over 80% of the people had received some type of communication by conscious intelligence regarding spiritually related matters. So we want to be able to compare all these things uh, that has never been compared before. We've never had this comparative contrast um, study of the experiencers of the contact modalities. Um, later on, we want to be able to pick up the major contact experiences, people like, like I said before, like Preston Dennett. I've spoken to several hundreds of these people, which is going to have approximately uh, 65 people um, in our, our chapters three and four. These are major contact experiences, people that have had uh, many diverse types of contact experiences in their life, okay? Um, we're going to start the, the articles with a bang. It's going to be a medical doctor. She's a pediatrician. This woman has seen 12 up-close UFOs. She's had two near-death experiences. She's had three Sasquatch experiences. She's done astral traveling. <laughs> She's had uh, floated out of her body, seen her body underneath there. The only thing she hasn't done is... Uh, 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 hallucinogenic journeys. She's never tried DMT. She never has tried magic mushrooms. But uh, after her second NDE, she began to see all deceased people in her hospital that she works on. Okay, these are um, these entities that look very human in form, and they're going through an elevator, you know. Um, so we have over 65 people similar to this medical doctor. And we want to understand why are these people having all of these diverse experiences in their life, okay? Um, be able to understand it. And that will give us a better understanding of the nature of what is consciousness because it's the experiencer that has the key, 
the keys to understanding all of this. Just like in ufology, you, you want to be able to understand ufology, you need to understand the experiencer. Not, not a little rock that fell from, from the sky or a picture of a UFO or another Nimitz explanation or another Roswell explanation or another Tic Tac release of a video. That ain't going to tell you squat. It hasn't tell you anything over the last 80 years about the complexities of UFOs and the UFO contact phenomenon. No, because the folks that undertake that perspective of, of photos and videos and, and Nimitz and Roswell, these people are materialists, okay? They have zero understanding and zero willingness to understand the multidimensional aspect of the UFO contact phenomenon. They're totally dismissive of it. Why? Because they're materialists, okay? They're grounded in, in planet Earth, okay? And our 3D reality. But if you talk to any major contact experiencer, for example, I'm gonna keep on using Preston Dennett, okay? You ask Preston Dennett, Preston Dennett will laugh out loud, you know? And he will tell you these people are all clueless, okay? Why? Because he's a major contact experiencer, just like all the people that we interviewed, um, in our excuse me that uh, that we that I've spoken with them, and the major experiencers in our UFO-related research study beyond UFOs, they will tell you, okay, materialist ufology is just a waste of time, okay. You really want to understand ufology? Understand the experiencer. You really want to understand near-death experiences? Understand the experiencer. You really want to understand people that have seen ghosts and spirits? Talk to the experiencers. Talk to people who have had communications with deceased entities. Talk to the people that have had um, afterlife communications, you know, post-death communications, I should say. Okay, people that all of a sudden their child gets killed in, in an auto accident, they see the child right there in their bed, you know, and they're having telepathic communications with the child. Okay, so it's the experiencer that has the key to this, not a PhD physicist, not a cognitive neuroscientist, okay, certainly not a materialist ufologist. Um, it's, it's the experiencer that is, uh, is going to give us the key to understand the complexities of the nature of our reality, which right now we're totally clueless as to what it is. Are we closer, though, than, than we have been in a while? Are we going to get there eventually? Well, with the UFO uh, research study, I'm assuming that you managed to at least uh, skim through uh, some of our book and some of our data, okay? Well, I actually have your entire first book here, Beyond UFOs. I'm showing it to everybody on Facebook. Uh, Fantastic. I, I mean, I can – it's more than 700 pages, almost 800 pages, and uh, I can – I can, can't wait until I can get the second book. Very familiar with you, with your research, yes, Ray? Okay, so the point that I'm getting at is that people now begin to understand just how complex the UFO contact phenomena is, okay? Um, the materialists see this as a very simplistic thing, okay? Why? Because they totally dismiss all the paranormal aspects of it, okay? Just like the early UFO uh, researchers, they dismissed the paranormal and the experiencers because they thought it would uh, lack credibility in the general audience, okay? That tendency still is taking place today, okay? And also because a lot of materialists just are totally dismissive of anything that's paranormal related, okay? So we're at the point now where we have a better understanding of what questions to ask. We don't have answers, okay? But we have a better understanding uh, if we were to do the research study again and if we were to be able to amplify 
that question. Instead of 600 quantitative questions and 70 open-ended questions, if we had people willing to spend hundreds of hours doing our questionnaires, we could literally have, you know, thousands of more precise questions to ask these folks. But it's with these precise ongoing questions, we'll be able to, to get some answers to these complicated questions. Because right now we have no answers. We're totally clueless as to what is the nature of our reality, what is the nature of the multiverse, and what is the nature of the contact modalities. Right now, we just have speculative theories. And that's why we want to be able to do this formal, comprehensive, long-term academic research study of the experiencers of the contact modalities. So instead of being totally clueless, we might be able to have a better understanding of what questions to ask in the future. Yeah, Ray, so tell us about the study that you're doing at CCRI and maybe how it differs, if at all, from the study that was done at the free organization. Okay. Um, There are numerous avenues that we want to be able to to explore. Um, For example, we want to be able to explore if there are certain triggers, okay? Well, we found out that people that have had near-death experiences, all of a sudden, the beginning, they, they saw UFOs. Okay, they began to see deceased spirits, ghosts, and uh, perceived ghosts and spirits. For example, um, there's a lady who's another physician, uh, Dr. Yvonne Kaysen. Okay, she used to be the president of the International Association of Near Death Studies, but she left that organization because those people were just so um, closed minded because they only thought about near-death experiences, and not to see the interrelationship. But yet, meanwhile, this woman has had out-of-body experiences. She's had astral traveling, okay? She's seen ghosts and spirits after uh, her second um, near-death experience, okay? She certainly understands uh, the the topic of the contact modalities. But what, what I was able to identify through a lot of individuals talking to people one-on-one is that once you've had a near-death experience, it seems like it triggers other types of paranormal experiences. Uh, for me, after we saw, my wife and I saw UFOs very up close, all of a sudden it triggered our paranormal experiences. And that's why um, we were able to identify in our study, but anecdotally, uh, anecdotally, I should say. Um, so we want to be able to say, okay, what year did you see your first UFO? Okay, what happened then to see if there are any triggering mechanisms? The near-death experiences, when did that occur? And then did you have subsequent to that any um, other types of paranormal experiences? Did you have any other type of paranormal experiences before your near-death experiences? When did your experiences begin? You know, what 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 date and time, if you can recall, you know? Um um, so it's it's these types of, of, of very detailed questions that we didn't ask with the free experience or research study um, to be able to to understand relationships, to understand triggers, to understand time periods, to understand uh, the similarities and the contrast of the different types of contact modalities. So it's it's um, much more detailed um, and much more defined than the first study that we did with the UFO contactees. And again. You know, we're, we're right now working on the methodology, the questionnaires of what we'd be asking, but we're, we're looking at quantitative questionnaires, um, i.e., you know, from one to five, or it's either yes or no, you know, or not applicable, you know, or open-ended questions where we ask um, an open-ended question and people write out, you know, pages and pages responding to this one question. And so uh, Dr. Raul Valverde, 
is a an expert in qualitative analysis. Well, he he will analyze what people have written in an open-ended questions, and he'll compare it to the thousands of other people that have written things to see what are the similarities and the verbiage and the terminology uh, that are used and definitions of, of various uh, terminologies. So, um, you know, we're going to be engaging really in a, a pioneering um, uh, analysis of, of, a, of a complex phenomenon that most of humanity just doesn't see as interrelated. Okay. Right. Not only in your research have you learned that it is connected, but you have to have, if you didn't already know before, which I'm sure you did, had it reiterated to you that this is a worldwide phenomenon. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's worldwide. And there's many people um, worldwide that hypothesize the same thing. We have an article uh, also in um, uh, uh, Volume 1 and 2 by a PhD astrophysicist from Italy. And he's been researching uh, what is con- what we call the contact modalities, except, you know, he used a different term, you know, like it's all the paranormal is unified and it's consciousness based. So there's tons of people all over the world that are speaking the same verbiage. So I should say similar verbiage. And all I'm doing is I'm just getting all of these people that have the same vision and I'm making them work together. OK, uh, under one focus, one umbrella. Uh, we all have our uh, our slight differences in our approach. Like, for example, I mentioned earlier, uh, Dr. Gary Schwartz, um, who is, uh, you know, one of the leading scholars on consciousness, has different burden. And we'll continue with the Ray Hernandez of uh, CCRI contact and uh, the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. It's an academic research institute whose mission is to explore the relationship between consciousness and the contact with non-human intelligence via the contact modalities. We're examining a conscious reality tonight on Into the Parabnormal, and I'm Jeremy Scott. Parabnormal News coming right up. Want to chat with like-minded thinkers? Join Into the Parabnormal Facebook group. It'll blow your mind. Abnormal News, I'm Brad Bernards. A town in central Minnesota is not quite sure what to make of creepy clown sightings. Correspondent Daniel Brewer goes on the hunt. The clowns have returned in Annandale, Minnesota this past week. (laughs) Residents have seen the nightmarish figures, which stand and stare directly in front of their homes and schools, unnerving the town in general. Witnesses tell Fox 9 TV. Just weird. You know, like, it's it's not a normal thing you see in a small town. Not a normal clown. I think it's just somebody out having a fun time. Police have issued warnings, however, of the creepy sightings. But officials say the hair-raising jesters are no threat at the moment. Being from northwest and central Minnesota, I've witnessed these curious clowns. The eerie masks they wear are not of the fun circus type, nor are the real weapons they tend to carry. Police have attempted to capture these frightening clowns, but they end up disappearing just as quickly as they pop up. As of tonight, the mystery to who and what are still completely unknown. In Minnesota, I'm Daniel Brewer for Paranormal News. 
During a brief swing by Venus, NASA's Parker Solar Probe detected a natural radio signal that revealed the spacecraft had flown through the planet's upper atmosphere, according to reporting in NASA.gov. This was the first direct measurement of the Venusian atmosphere in nearly 30 years, and it looks quite different from Venus' past. This marks the latest clue to untangling how and why Venus and Earth are so different. Read the news at ParaAbnormalRadio.com. This is Brad Bernards with ParaAbnormal News. Finding consciousness. It's what we wake up to every morning. That's ETs. They've come to take you. Suppose it were possible to transfer from one mind to another. The experience of another person. Any person. Any experience. One of the leading theories today to explain the nature of our universe contends that there are ten dimensions. Nine of space and one of time. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop. Sporting a tinfoil hat and looking dang good in it. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott. Hey, I've, I've got breaking news. Nobody died. The rocket's down. Maldives, Southeast Asia, or South Asia into the sea it went. About an hour ago or so, I mean, that's when we do the program live. If you listen to it after the fact, it'll be many hours ago after the fact, but it's down and nobody died. So that's good news. My guest tonight is Ray Hernandez, and Ray is Director of Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. They will have websites that will go live September 1st, and the book uh, will be available around that time as well. And before we go tonight, Ray is going to tell us how you can get a hold of some of this material uh, between now and then, because this is revolutionary material. When you add it all together, it really is a new paradigm, and that's one of the subtitles of the book that will be coming out, A Greater Reality. So, Ray, I want you to talk uh, a little bit about the space-time manipulation, because as that is at play here, uh, how does one manipulate space-time? Do we know? (laughs) No, no. Just like we have no idea what is consciousness and how all of the contact modalities are interrelated. But just for the, the late person that's out there, again, I'm not a physicist. I'm only telling you what... PhD physicists uh, have told me and people that research this, okay? Um, and contactees. Uh, and contactees, yes, yes. And um, Albert Einstein um, um, theory of the nature of our reality, he had four uh, dimensions. Uh, one of them is space-time, okay? And that is, um, they're both uh, interrelated with each other, okay? Now, Space is actually physical distance, okay, and 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 what um, what a lot of um, of uh, of quantum physicists and uh, are arguing is that there is no such thing as separation, and they refer to um, uh, this theory of entanglement that all particles are entangled, no matter um, 
or where they might be uh, located. For example, you put two uh, photons together, okay? You then separate them. They both have a symbiotic relationship, no matter if one is here on Earth and the other one is on the moon. If you're spinning one to the right, the other one would be spinning to the left, okay? That's the concept of space. Now, in terms of the concept of time, um, um, uh, again, all these theoretical physicists uh, uh, have discussed theories that time really doesn't exist, okay? And so um, that's what a lot of experiences would tell you. I used the illustration earlier of my father uh, that when he had his NDE, he said he was gone for 20 years because he had a life review that lasted to him seemingly that long. Um, uh, but yet he only had a heart surgery, heart operation. So uh, what all of these uh, experiences have in common, one of the commonalities, there's numerous commonalities, but one of them is that it involves a manipulation of space because you're not on 3D planet Earth anymore. You're being brought to some other multi-dimensional reality. And then the concept of time um, with, uh, uh, with a near-death experiences. People commonly discuss that they, uh, that they were in that reality for many, many years, okay, or months or days or weeks or hours, but yet they were only dead for three minutes. They were revived within three minutes. Uh, with um, astral travel travelers and out-of-body experiences, but primarily with the astral travelers, they'll tell you the same concept, okay, that they were gone for a very, very long time, but they might have fallen asleep at 1 o'clock, and then they woke up at 2, you know, it was only an hour, but yet they were in this other um, reality for a very, very long time. The UFO contactees had the same type of uh, experience. We asked them almost 40 questions relating to um, when they were brought to this matrix reality, the details of that. And again, people would say that um, that time had literally almost frozen, stopped. Um, um, or, 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 uh, so again, that's one of the commonalities of, of this, uh, the manipulation, the change space-time and um, and again we know very little about that uh, we, we just are able we're doing at this point it's just describing the phenomena which is trying to get data for the phenomena okay but in terms of, of people trying to understand the work that we're doing um, uh, send us an email again I emphasize info at experiencer.org and I will send you numerous chapters from um, the UFO-related research study, uh, which we published in our 820-page book titled Beyond UFOs. And I will also send you uh, uh, lots of information regarding our new four-volume book. And that four-volume book is titled A Greater Reality, The New Paradigm of Non-Local Consciousness, the paranormal and the contact modalities. And what that book is, it's not the research that the organization is doing because we're working on the methodology for that right now. It's, it's a, a chapter of uh, four volumes to introduce the concepts of it via the first two volumes would be theoretical articles and volumes three and four would be chapters by experiencers of the contact modalities. And what we're, what we're presenting are individuals that have, each of them have had three or more of the different contact modalities, 
experiences of the contact modalities. People uh, like that medical doctor that I talked to him about, or Preston Dennett. These people have had more than three diverse types of contact modalities. So just uh, as an illustration to show that, look, these phenomenon, paranormal phenomenon, which we're calling the contact modalities, they're all interrelated, and they need to be studied as one. So if you're going to be researching Preston Dennett, for example, are you just going to be researching Preston Dennett, the astral traveler, or are you going to be researching Preston Dennett, the man um, who uh, uh, has had out-of-body experiences, or the man that has seen a whole boatload of ghosts and spirits, or from a ufology perspective, the man that has seen a whole bunch of UFOs. Okay, if you research Preston Dennett just from the perceived paradigm that we have right now, that these are all separate and distinct phenomena, you're not going to understand the man. But if you research Preston Dennett as someone that has uh, had all of these diverse experiences, okay, as under one human being, okay, then you'll see that this is way, way more complex because it's interrelated than what all of these uh, um, stovepipe approaches uh, that we have now in ufology, that we have in near-death experiences, that we have in out-of-body experiences, that we have with uh, the ghost hunters, you know? This is way, way more complex than just ghost hunting, okay? Let me tell you that, okay? Um, extremely complicated. So, uh, for example, he's he, with Preston Dennett, let me use this as an illustration. His trigger, his triggering event, was seeing his deceased mother, okay? Then he began to see a whole bunch of dead people, okay, that he would communicate with, just like the medical doctor, just like the close to 65 people that are uh, uh, publishing articles in volumes three and four. We want to understand why are these people having all of these different experiences in their lifetimes, and how did they develop? So that is the introduction that we're laying out in, in these four volume books. The actual research product, the, uh, a book uh, uh, on our research will probably come out in five years. But uh, God willing, you know, um, all of us will have our health. Um, most of these researchers that I've mentioned, these academics, they're all in their 70s and some in their 80s. So, um, you know, we have a long way to go, and hopefully everyone has the health needed to undertake this lengthy, comprehensive research study. I'm glad that you are, because a lot of times this information just goes nowhere. You know, you've lived your life, you've gathered this information, but then it never gets documented. So kudos to you for getting uh, these minds together in order to document this. Now, Ray, is is it possible that there's like this range of, of states of consciousness that would explain this multi-dimensional reality uh, that you've outlined for us tonight. And by a range of states, I mean where we can access both physical but non-physical realms. Yes, that's a very good point you brought up, but that's now a much more complicated topic. <laughs> and again, we don't have any solutions to this. All we have is hypotheses, okay? Now, one hypothesis is that um, humans are obviously interacting with our five senses in our 3D reality, okay? So that's reality number one, the materialist perspective. All these people have their blinders on. They don't understand anything except their uh, the five senses and the 3D reality, okay? Then there's a hypothesis that um, some of these, um, for example, the UFO-related uh, intelligence that we're interacting with are 
um, multidimensional beings, but they're interacting at a um, um, an intermediary level, okay, which is both material, so they're able to come into our material reality, but yet they're able to uh, um, uh, uh, to align themselves with uh, a, a secondary higher level of, of, of consciousness, okay? Um, and then there is the universal mind. You know, what is this greater reality, okay? That when we have a near-death experience and we die, most of these individuals that have NDEs, they say that we are part of this universal mind, that we're all part of God, okay? That we go back and reattach ourselves um, to the universal mind, to God. That we're actually just a uh, 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 a small component of the universal mind. So that's the layer, the outside layer of this greater reality. Okay. So there are various hypotheses, but at this point, that's all it is. It's just hypotheses as to the layering of consciousness, uh, the layering of our realities. But um, but in fact. Um, uh, uh, there's only one consciousness, which is the greater reality. But within that, there's different sublayers of 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 of, 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 of subconscious, I should say, and 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 subrealities. But again, these are all we're just in a very preliminary state of hypothesizing these things. But we believe that it's the experiencer, the people that have had all these crazy experiences, okay? If we're able to document them, if we're able to be able to analyze them and understand them a little bit better, we will be able to have um, a, a better working hypothesis as to the nature of our reality. Well, it, without the hypothesis doesn't come the theory, doesn't come the verification. So you have to start somewhere. Yes, and, and the, for example... One approach is through cognitive neuroscience, okay? That quote that you started off with, okay? Uh -huh. And that is that everything begins and ends with the brain. When we die, that's it. Our consciousness dies with it, okay? But we know from astral traveling, from out-of-body experiences, we know that the mind is independent of the brain, okay? We know from near-death experiences when people are clinically dead, Okay, there literally have been hundreds of, of individuals that um, that their brain was not functioning. For example, Dr. Eben Alexander. Um, I don't know if you have ever had him on your show. Okay, unfortunately um, not. Okay, uh, as you well know, he was a professor of neurosurgery at Harvard University. The man had a major near-death experience, and his brain was like mashed potatoes. <laughs> he had this bacterial uh, meningitis that totally made his brain like mush, okay? Mm. Technically, he should not be alive, and he should not even think now. He should be a, a paraplegic, okay? But yet, within a few short weeks, he had his full cognitive uh, uh, abilities back, okay? That's another commonality. Uh, between UFOs and NDEs, which is the healing aspect of it. Anita Morjani, which I'm sure you're familiar with, another major NDE experiencer, was totally healed of stage four cancer. Okay. She was told by by quote unquote God, you know, the, the energy being that she associated with, uh, that when you come back, tell your doctors not to give you any uh, chemotherapy uh, or any more treatments because you're completely healed of, of cancer. Um, so that's another uh, commonality, numerous commonality of, of near-death experiences with the UFO contact experiences. But, but, um, but anyway, 
um, with Eben Alexander, he was able to demonstrate that um, that that the brain is totally independent of uh, of of consciousness of our cognitive abilities. Uh, now, we don't understand that, Jeremy, as you know. Okay, but as I said, repeated over and over again, it's neuroscience can attempt all that they want. Physics can attempt all they want. Under philosophy, they have a, a category of philosophy called philosophy of the mind, okay? Dr. Michael Grosso was a professor of philosophy for over 40 years, and his specialty was philosophy of the mind. Raymond Moody, okay? Uh, he's a, a, um, um, uh, an advisor to our organization. Raymond Moody says it's all interrelated, okay? It's all consciousness-based, that consciousness is primary, but um, his subspecialty is philosophy of the mind, okay? Because all the Greek uh, traditions uh, in philosophy of the mind, they had the similar principles, okay? That uh, our reality is an illusion. And Plato's uh, uh, allegory of the cave is a primary example of that, okay? So, um, so you have all these approaches from the philosophy of the mind, from cognitive neuroscience, from physics, et cetera, et cetera, but they're not going to take us where we need to take us. Our hypothesis is that it's the experiencer, these people that are able to be brought to other realities and returned. They're the ones that have the clues that are able to unlock that door to have a better understanding of what is consciousness and the nature of our reality. This also has pretty significant spiritual implications, does it not, Ray? I know you uh, alluded to that earlier. Yes, it all relates back to spirituality, okay? Um, 80% of the people, the major experiencers, almost 100%, but the, the people that took our UFO research study, they all referred back to spirituality, okay? Um, even how people changed. You had atheists all of a sudden become highly spiritual. You had people like Whitley Strieber, who started off with a fear-based abduction scenario. Now he's Mr. Love and Light, Mr. Spirituality, Kathleen Martin, she started off with an abduction base, okay, frightening base. And now she's, you know, also spirituality, extremely important, okay? So it's, it's, it's uh, one of the universal themes and topic that we found out with our UFO research study is that the overwhelming majority of these people started off with fear. I'm not, well, I'm sorry, 37% of these people started off with fear from their experiences. But yet, at the very end, when they took our survey, 96% said, no, this is, was it not a fearful phenomenon? I was scared because of the ontological shock associated with it. And 80% of these people become highly spiritual. Okay, they go into Reiki healing, just like near-death experiencers. Dr. Kenneth Ring, who is a retired professor of uh, psychology at the University of Connecticut, in 1992, he published a book called The Omega Project, where he compared 85 people that had NDEs, 85 people that had UFO abduction experiences. And he wanted to know how these people changed. And what he concluded was they changed exactly the same way which you wouldn't even think of, you know, someone that had an end, a near-death experience and someone that UFO abduction, but yet he demonstrated that they had exactly the same um, psychological and worldview uh, profile. We repeated 60 of those questions, and what did we come up with? The same exact thing as Dr. Kenneth Ring. Uh, depending on the questions that I would ask, between 75 to 85% of these individuals underwent a total radical transformation. And one of them dealt with spirituality. 
Other people, uh, other um, um, variables dealt with the fear of death. They no longer fear death. Materialism, they didn't care about materialistic things. They became less egotistical. They became much more loving to the fellow human being. They became much more ecologically friendly. This is universal to both NDEs and to the abductees, okay? And uh, the spirituality was a major component. These people became very, very spiritual. So this is a component with NDEs, with UFO contact, uh, and with out-of-body experiences. What we still don't know was the ghosts and spirits aspect of it, because that research has never been done before. Okay, so that's what we want to be able to do with our future research study is to be able to get the data from the people that have had uh, ghost encounters. And I'm sure we'll find the same uh, similarities, but I cannot state it unequivocally because the research has never been done before. But, yes, it all entails spirituality. It all entails with our universal creator. It all entails with source, God, whatever you might want to call it, okay, because that's where we're going to go when we die, okay? Behind it all, um, there is a, a, a virtual reality scenario and that there is the mind of God behind it, whether people like it or not. We are eternal spiritual beings living in a temporary 3D reality. Right. We have just about a minute left. Uh, can you make a closing statement in that allotment of time? Yes. The hypothesis is that we're living in a virtual reality, that consciousness is primary, and that uh, the experiencers of the contact modality have the key to be able to have a better understanding of this phenomenon. And Ray Hernandez will be at contact in the desert. Ray, when is that? Um. I don't have the exact date on my calendar. Well, I would have June, to look it up. June 25th to 28th, so somewhere in there. And go to yep. contactinthedesert.com, and they got information there. Ray, thank you so much. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for the wonderful reception. Oh, it was awesome to have you back. Uh, certainly, it won't be the last time. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, good night, everyone. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.